Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by The Times of London. Today with me, Lou Newton and Toby Gillies. And we bring you analysis from the front line in Ukraine, where for the first time it's demonstrable that the efforts there are being hampered by the war more than a thousand miles away between Israel and Hamas in Gaza. There's always been an assumption that Israel's war with Hamas would affect Ukraine's efforts against Russia. Well, now that's been confirmed. From the front line on the eastern front of Ukraine, the Times has been told that the troops' progress there has slowed because of American resources that are going to Israel instead. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky has already said that, of course. But now the Times' Tom Ball has been with troops on the Dnipro River with Ukraine's 21st Brigade, who say they're suffering from the reality of fewer weapons being delivered from the US. Although reserves may be vast, they are finite. Those supplies upon which Ukraine is so reliant is being divided between Ukraine and Israel. commander on the front line said it was critical the situation for him now and that it would hamper their ability to strike Russian positions on the other side of the front line. Uh, I think it's fair to say that Ukraine certainly wants to see a speedy resolution to the conflict in the Middle East. It's only ever going to be a bad thing for them to have the resources of their their allies upon which they, they rely so heavily to be divided and, and diverted at this stage. That being said, however, Western allies have been very keen to show Kyiv that that they do still support them and will continue to support them. Uh, And indeed, the Pentagon announced last night that they were going to fund a $100 million military aid package. And over in Israel, a deal for Hamas to release hostages they're holding in Gaza seems to be coming. Yes, the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said they're making progress and he hopes for good news, and this is a quote, soon. At the time of recording, the Times expects Israel's process for agreeing to a deal to begin shortly. And the uncertainty around a deal was emphasised by an Israeli who has negotiated hostage deals with Hamas before, Gershon Baskin. Now, he still works in the field in the Middle East, and he explained the process to Times Radio earlier. Even after the Israeli government approves it, there's no deal until it's implemented. There are so many things that could go wrong that could derail what we're understanding might be a deal that it's really irresponsible to talk about it before it actually happens. Uh, Again, we don't even know if they're alive. And, And here we are negotiating six weeks into this war where we're negotiating essentially with the people that we have every intention of killing. It's a very bizarre and difficult situation that's unprecedented, I think, in the entire world. There are two tracks of negotiations, one in faraway Qatar and the other in Egypt, where the Egyptians have a lot more experience negotiating with the military wing of Hamas and the Islamic Jihad. But we really don't know where these negotiations stand. Deal or no deal, we'll analyse the very latest on tomorrow's World in 10. Two X now. Twitter. It's Twitter, Toby. (laughs) Yes, that is true. Um, And I do call it that as well. But it's officially called X. So I think for this next story, we have to go with that. Anyway, it's the social media network owned by Elon Musk. And 
really it's him who's central to this rather than the site itself or at least the way he runs it specifically. So you've almost certainly heard that last week a number of advertisers pulled themselves from the site and a couple more reduced the amount they spend with it. And that's because it was claimed their ads were appearing alongside posts promoting Nazism. What you may not know is who published that. It's a liberal media organisation called Media Matters for America. Yes, they were set up specifically to counter what they call a right-wing bias in the media. And they allege that the offending messages promoting the Nazi party and Adolf Hitler uh, appeared alongside ads for some of the biggest firms in the world, IBM, Apple and others. Musk's lawsuit against them is described as thermonuclear. And you can see why. You can. He says the group created an alternative account designed to misinform advertisers and posted a story that completely misrepresents the real experience on X. So... This feels really big because the site relies on income from advertisers simply to exist. So I asked the Times' Washington correspondent, Alistair Dorber, is this Musk simply fighting for X's very existence? I think it's a risk in in, in two respects, really. Um, First of all, if it's found that company brands are being placed deliberately next to far-right Nazi Adolf Hitler sympathising tweets or whether there's just not the system in place to stop it happening. And I think those are two different things. Um, I think it's very, very serious. I don't think there's any evidence for this at all, that X is deliberately placing these these brands next to next to this abhorrent content. If that's been done deliberately, then that's one thing. But equally, you know, if you're a brand and you want to get your message out, uh, if you're advertising on a platform where there's just a sort of slapdash approach to, to where these ads are placed, maybe that's something that they, uh, they won't want to pursue. Media Matters president has vowed to defend the group against X's lawsuit, saying they look forward to winning in court. The supposed rewriting of history is an area that's divided people hugely in recent years. Should we accept the narratives we're given, or should modern views allow us to decide again which heroes were actually villains, and vice versa? Yes, were the founding fathers of the US examples of social virtue, promoting liberty and equality, or did their exclusion of women and African Americans and Aboriginal Americans actually hinder progress? Here in the UK, we ask, should we hold war-winning Prime Minister Churchill up as a symbol of lion-hearted bravery? Or maybe we should use his own apparently racist views to knock him down a peg or two in our minds. There are literally countless similar examples globally. But one which we've rarely seen is arguments over the gender of main protagonists in history. Until now. Yeah. Let me take you to 218 AD and the ill-fated emperor of Rome, Elagabalus, who ruled for only four years before being assassinated. Now, until now, they were always referred to as a man, but a small museum in England has uncovered a request where they asked to be referred to as a lady, so has declared Elagabalus to be a trans woman. Imagine that, a trans woman in charge of Rome. It's quite something, isn't it? And the North Hertfordshire Museum is now using female pronouns for Elagabalus in its display of a coin minted during her reign. It's basing its decision to do so on an ancient text written by a Roman historian who was close to Elagabalus. But Oxford University ancient history professor Harry Sidebottom told Times Radio he's not convinced that that text is the right one to make this decision from. Cassius Dio did say that. He was a contemporary 
Um, he's actually deeply implicated in the regime of Heliogabalus. So he's got a good reason for condemning, well, distancing himself from the dead emperor and condemning the regime as much as he can. So whether he did actually do these things is extremely debatable. And also there's the odd problem that the identity of trans woman, of course, would have been completely meaningless to Heliogabalus and all his contemporaries. It, it wasn't an identity that was available then. So it's a strange sort of relabeling in a way that the person who's being labelled wouldn't have understood. Now, Banksy. You know his trademark style, stenciled satirical graffiti. But you probably don't know his name. Until now, maybe. An old recording has surfaced where he casually corrects the BBC's former arts correspondent, Nigel Wrench, about his name. Wrench asked him if his name was Robert Banks, and the artist responded, it's Robbie. Oh, it's brilliant, that, isn't it? Uh, And there is one other story in the Times today that I wanted to highlight, particularly as a sports fan and a supporter of a football team that loses more than it wins. So this one spoke to me because... um, I can get angry when that happens, Lou, and it does all too frequently. (laughs) So scientists in Chile have examined the brains of fans to work out why that red mist descends in moments like that. Basically, the region governing cognitive control actually shuts down at that moment. And they say that leaves fans more likely to fall into disruptive or violent behaviour. You can read more about it at thetimes.co.uk. Toby, you might want to pay attention to ensure your behaviour doesn't escalate. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely right. Um, Fortunately, that is all we have time for today. Thanks for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of The Times of London. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.